our our friend Novak. I'd say this year's it's been scary how good he is. Uh, since Qatar, the first tournament of the year, he got to the final of every single tournament he's played, winning three of the slams, losing in the final of the French, which is obviously a bit of a surprise. And then just in Far East just now, he won in Beijing and then Shanghai, Shanghai Masters without losing a set. He, he's it's ridiculous the level he's he's taken it to this year. He's I mean, really. and he always what I find with Djokovic, he always seems to have to play the bad guy, doesn't he? Um, obviously when he's up against Murray, you know he's got we've got the Brits cheering on Murray. Then when Federer is obviously a, a favourite around the world, every time he takes on Federer, he always sort of has to play that bad guy. It must be difficult for him to sort of keep having to be the guy that isn't the most liked on the court. If you see what I mean. Yeah, I I do get the feeling he gets frustrated by that. I mean, from a tennis level, his his record since he came and seen versus Nadal and Federer, he he's the better player. But he's 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 nowhere near as popular as as Federer and Nadal. I, I think that that gripes him a little bit. Um, he he often does lots of things. I think that that, that does get him lots of fans. He does lots of classy things as well. He's he's often on court with children and and he's nice to the ball boys. I think the little thing that lets him down every now and then is he just lets his emotions come out on the court. When he's frustrated, he's he sarcastically applauded the crowd at the French Open where they've been on his back. And although I think some people can relate to that better because they're kind of more human, we're so used to the classy of the classy of of. Federer and Adele say the right things, act the right way all the time. They kind of make Djokovic look a little bit bad, even though I think Djokovic 99% of the time is is a class act. Yeah, I mean, always, I think he's, he's very different from Federer and, and, and Nadal, isn't he? And even, I mean, even Murray, Murray, even though he is popular, he does also have his critics, doesn't he, for sometimes his attitude. I mean, that doesn't, I know he doesn't interview particularly well, Murray, does he? But Djokovic seems to... Um, I know he had that incident where he shouted at the ball girl and stuff like that, but I think what people need to understand is he's playing tennis or sport at a very top level. Um, and I think yeah. he's, he's, you know, he's not... I don't think he should really be sort of criticised too much on that. What did you make of that little? Because you know, I know she said about the uh, the ball boys. Do you think he's maybe making more of an effort to be nicer to the ball, the um, ball boys and girls now? Most of the time, he's he's really good at them. There was that time in the French Open, I think it was last year, where it was a rain delay and he invited a ball boy to sit with him on his chair, gave him a drink. He held the umbrella for the ball boy rather than the other way around. So he's generally brilliant with the ball boys. It's just that once or twice when he's when his emotions are that, as high as they can go, and a ball boy isn't quite giving him his towel as quickly as he wants, then he can snap a little bit. And and it's similar to Murray in a way, although Murray hasn't done it. Really shouted at ball boys. He's he's similar to Djokovic as in he shows his emotions. And on one hand, that that harms Murray a little bit. On the other hand, we, we want tennis players showing their emotions, really. As, as much as I love Federer and I love Nadal, they're so good and they're so mentally strong and they're so... Well, they're saying that. I think Federer lost his, his temper a little bit this week because they recovered and won, but that's sort of, it's such a rarity. 
we we want play. I mean, I like curiosity. Yeah, he's overstepped the mark a little bit, but it's characters and it's characters showing their emotions that, that that make the game so entertaining and the different characters and the different combinations and and the chemistry that brings. I'm all for that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a big Djokovic fan. I mean, I'm a huge Federer and Adele fan, and I'm a, like I say, I'm a pretty big Djokovic fan. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the sport, you do need your bad guys and your good guys, don't you, really? I mean, I know, talking about boxing, Floyd Mayweather sort of, he, he accepts that he's a bad guy, and it's made him a great career because he says it sells. So I suppose, I'm not saying Djokovic is doing it to sell tickets, because obviously that's not what he's about, but I suppose you no. do need that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, some athletes do play on it, and, it, and they play on it, and if it's and if it's them and, and they play on it well, then that, that can bring them in lots more fans, possibly lots more money. Uh, with Djokovic now, I think it's the other, he he wants to be loved. I think he I think he's a bit puzzled that he's not as popular as Federer and Nadal. And the moments they do let him down is literally where his emotions are getting the best of him. But credit to him, though. I mean, he 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 gets emotional on the court, but yet five minutes later he's playing some of the best tennis you've ever seen, beating Federer and Nadal or Murray some of the best players ever so you, you've got to give him credit how he does that is is incredible really yeah i mean i mean the wimbledon looking back to wimbledon i know it was a, a couple of months ago now but what he done to federer after federer came off the back of that phenomenal semi-final win was just ro- robotic like wasn't it really the way he was playing True, yeah i mean it was, it was a fascinating summer really i mean federer who has played as good tennis as he's ever played, but hasn't quite played that well in the slams over five sets. Suddenly against Murray in that Wimbledon semi-final, putting, I, I think, the best performance I've ever seen from him. Yeah. So I was so looking forward to that final of Wimbledon. And, yeah, credit to Djokovic, he played brilliant. But Federer, I don't felt, really turned up that day. I, I feel he's got a slight mental block at the moment in best of five set matches against Nadal, well, certainly Djokovic and possibly Nadal. It's difficult to tell. They haven't played in a Grand Slam for such a long time. But when he was, a few years ago when they were, he seemed to have that mental mental block. So then obviously they played in the US Open final. And again, Federer looked amazing the whole tournament. Djokovic looked brilliant, especially in his semi-final when he, he barely lost his game. And Federer played. He played much better than he did in the Wimbledon final. And he he was in there. He was he was competing so well, but then he just seemed to fizzle off a little bit. And again, I just question whether he has that complete belief that he can beat Djokovic in a five-set match. So, I mean, he'd beat him in the final Cincinnati just before the U.S. Open in the final to show that he can beat Djokovic, even though Djokovic is obviously having such a good year. So, so yes, it, it was an, an interesting summer really especially between Djokovic and the Federer definitely I mean I know Federer's obviously got a few years on Djokovic and like you said about the five sets I mean how much of it do you think really does come down to fitness maybe not fitness maybe that's not fair saying Federer's unfit but comes down to being at your physical peak if you like that's the thing I mean it can't be physical because Federer's looking so physically good he's he swung through the US Open as, as, as easily as you can against, you know, 
players he's playing against, using as, as little energy as possible. But I think it has to be more of a mental thing where we can believe that he can... He knows against Djokovic, he needs to play the unbelievable level for five sets. And he can do it in two or three sets, like when he beats Djokovic in the final of Cincinnati. And I, think, I think it was straight sets. Or if it's best of three, he can do it over three sets. But where we believe he can do it over five sets, because the chance of beating Djokovic in straight sets in a slam's tiny. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to put it in there for four or five sets. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that gives everyone else hope. If I'm right, there is a slight mental block there. The most successful player of all time, even he has a, can have a mental block. And even he's saying, I think this year at some point, confidence isn't a given. It's something that even he now has to work on. So that, that gives us all a little bit of hope that the fact that Federer doesn't just swan on the court and play this unbelievable tennis. It's something he still works incredibly hard on. Yeah, I mean, I was frustrated watching it because I am more of a Federer than Djokovic, to be honest. But there's not, you can't take away from Djokovic. I mean, um, he's 28 now, 10 Grand Slams. What What are your thoughts on him catching Federer and Sampras, those guys? I mean, it's surely a possibility. He's, yeah, he's just... I mean, he's on 10, I think... Bjorg and Laver on 11, so they, I'd be, I'm, I'd be so surprised if he doesn't overtake them yeah. this year or next year. Amazon's on 12, and then Nadell and Sanford's both on 14. I think at the moment, I, I think, I mean, seven Grand Slams a lot, but he could do that in the next two years. Yeah. Who's he, I mean, at the moment, the only people that I can see winning the Australian Open is Djokovic. Murray, hopefully Federer, and then Stan the Man, and Nadal, possibly, if he comes back. So, I mean, he, and Djokovic is going to be the favourite going into every slam, so, but then two years ago, I would have put good money on Nadal overtaking Federer, and then suddenly, he had injuries, he had his appendicitis, he's lost his confidence, he hasn't won any slams for a while. It could that similar similar thing could happen to Djokovic. I don't think the fitness thing will happen because he's so fit. He's got flexibility on his side. He's such a good athlete. He, he doesn't abuse his body quite as much as Nadal does on the court, as in the way he throws himself around the court. But he's definitely. I'd be so surprised if he doesn't challenge. If he doesn't get up there with Nadal and Sampras's fourteen at least. Yeah. The men's game has been so exciting the last few years. I mean, the way it's developed, the way Federer come on the scene, and it, and it was just amazing watching him play. And then Nadal come on the scene, suddenly there's two amazing players, and, and I love their rivalry. I love the, the elegance of Federer and the, and the bullishness of Nadal. And then Djokovic came on the scene, so there's three of them battling out and then Murray came on the scene although Murray's only won two I, th I think he's lost in the final of four so he's competed in six slam finals so he, every slam he's been in in the mix and now and then it was can Nadal catch up with Federer and now it's can Djokovic catch up with Nadal and then can he catch up with Federer it's so many fascinating questions every every year it's, I, I, 
every start of every new year, I, I can't wait for that to see how the year plays out. We, we're spoiled at the moment. I mean, we really are. When you just spoke about when you just spoke about you know the, the Dow, Nadal was really. I mean, it is a, such a shame to see what's happened to Nadal. I mean, I can't see him being back to the level he was, um, which is it's, no. But then he was he was written off before, and he's come back. Federer was luckily written off. He's been written off a couple of times. I think, even no matter how much it looks like these players are past their best, I think you've got to respect the Federer's and the Dells of the world that they're so good, that they're mentally so tough, that they work so hard that anything's possible. I mean, the Dow, I talk, I talk about how scary it was before, how good Djokovic is playing. It was kind of equally scary to see how Nadal's confidence has, has gone so much. And then he's showing signs of, of getting back up there again. So he, he's he's playing more, he's getting to the finals, he's playing against Djokovic, he's playing Federer today. So he's he's getting himself back in the mix and he'll be working harder than anyone in the off-season. And, and Australian Open's an interesting one because obviously everyone's coming off a little bit of a break. So it, it's, it's always a question of Australia, the Australian Open, not just who's the form player, but... Who's going to hit the ground running the fastest come the new year? So, again, that's more questions. Can Federer win a slam? How good is Nadal going to be next year? Can Ravinka and Murray, I mean, they've both won two slams each now. They're going to be competing. Can one of them win their third? Again, it's, it's, I can't wait. Yeah, it's certainly um, an exciting time. Um you touched on Murray actually, and I think um, obviously being uh, being in Britain, Murray is our is our horse, if you like. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I've had some interesting comments from Andre Agassi um, about him. He's saying he's too much of a perfectionist. That's why he gets frustrated in the court, and that's why maybe he loses the bigger games. Um, that was such a good call. That that really does sum up Murray. Yeah, Murray. I think it. I think he's done unbelievably well to, to do what he's done with that perfectionist mindset. On one hand, that, that it's, it can be a positive. I mean, he works so hard. He expects the best of himself. But on the negative, he, as, as we all see, he, he has trouble coming to terms with his mistakes. And it's something he talks about. It's something he's open about. It's something he's honest about. And it's something he really wants to get to the bottom of. I mean... But, yeah, he's, he's. I mean, you can visit, you can see it, can't you? When he's playing, you can see him not throwing his racket around, but you know, you can see yeah. him really rounding up. When when you see Djokovic, even though he's passionate, you you sense he's got it under control a little bit more. Do you think that's fair? That is fair, and, and Murray's got much better. Before he'd he'd lose his head, and then he'd he'd have real real trouble coming back to win that match. I mean, there was that time at, at the Wimbledon semi-final three or four years ago and he he was a set up and he had his 15.30 up in the Dow's serve and he had an easy forehand and he missed it and he was so annoyed himself and he went downhill after that whereas now he gets frustrated he gets out of his system but then he, what he's better now is he starts that next point with a clearer mind which he never used to which which is the one thing I love about Nadal, and the one thing I've never seen anyone do as well as him, 
no matter what's just happened, I've never seen anyone start that next point so in the moment. Whatever's just happened, it's happened with Nadal, and I love that. Yeah. So I mean, in that still, I think, don't worry if he if he could get even better at that. But he's he's working on it. He he knows it. It's an issue, and so he's not just ignoring it. He's not saying, "Well, I've got to six lands doing that." But then he'll be he'll be looking at every nook and cranny, and and that's his biggest weakness, really. Second set's a bit of a weakness, but that's his big thing. If he can control his his mind with the mistakes, again, that's, that's going to be... He, he's up there, Djokovic. I mean, it, the final of the Australian Open this year, Moe was the better player. Djokovic, he, fair play, he won. I mean, there's a little bit of sportsmanship with the, with the, the kind of showing how tired he was and then five minutes later he was playing unbelievable. But Murray, when they were both playing their best that match, Murray was the better player. Djokovic, though, he won that match and then there's been no stopping him since then. The confidence he took from that is, again, like I said earlier, is scary. Yeah. I mean, Murray, um, obviously Murray uh, with the semi-final win and, and we, we touched on Federer earlier on in the, in the semi-final, but you did sense that that could have been Murray's to, to win that tournament, but then he came up against just an inspired Federer, didn't he? Exactly. I mean, it, you've got to give Murray credit. I mean, he's, he's he's playing in arguably the strongest era of all time, and he's got yeah. to six slams and won two of them. And we we don't know how he's going to finish, how many slams they're going to win between Federer, Nadal and Djokovic. But for Nadal, for Murray to have just won two in this era is is brilliant, especially one of them to be in Wimbledon and the pressure he was under at Wimbledon. I don't think Murray gets quite the credit he deserves, really, especially for that that, that, that last game, that pressure. Has there ever been as much pressure on an individual tennis player at a particular point? of a particular match in history I, I don't know yeah no definitely I mean obviously it's been a long wait it was a long wait wasn't it for a Brit to win Wimbledon um, yeah I mean the US so a big thing that. after the big wait and then, but then this is England a lot of people don't follow any of the other tournaments in, around the world other than the Wimbledon so he needed to win Wimbledon to to, to seal his kind of legacy in, in this country really yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at Murray, um, and you, and obviously the area we're in with Djokovic and Federer and stuff. I mean, how what how do you think Murray compares with Agassi, Sampras, and those guys? I mean, I know it's hard to say because obviously they haven't played, but for you, if he was in that era, era, sorry, do you think it'd be more he'd have more? Sort of yeah, you can't answer that, but then it's such a fun question, isn't it? We always <laughs> say. What, who would win, Federer or Labour? Who's the greatest of all time? You can't. You can't really come out of a, a fine answer, but it's fun to spend hours arguing it. Um, again, back to Agassi talking about Murray. He he said he's a big he's a big Murray fan, and he said if Murray was around in his era, Agassi said he wouldn't have won. Agassi wouldn't have won as many many slams if Murray was around because because of how good Murray is. So Murray's up there. I mean, it, again, Murray Agassi would have been a good match-up. Both 
unbelievable return of the serve. Murray Sampras would have been fascinating at Wimbledon. The Sampras serve volley, the Murray return. He, I mean, he's up there. I mean, there's very good players who've only won two slams, and he's up there with them. He could win another couple more, and then he's and then he's not far off Becker and Edberg who won six. I mean. I'm a big Murray fan. I, I like him on and off the court. I've always stuck up for Murray. And I've also been frustrated with people digging him. I mean, he never signed up to be to to do with the interviews. Yeah, well, that's um, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and Murray, he's yeah. you know, and um, he, because we haven't really, no one's really competed with him from these shores, have they? <laughs> would you be, no. would it be fair to say? He, you know, I'm not sure when the next star will be from these these shores, but at the moment it is sort of solely Murray, isn't it? The, the, like you said, the pressure is sort of he's, on his shoulder. Yeah, he's, he's, he's carried the whole shoulder, the whole country's burdens on his shoulder really well. I mean, I think him had done really well, given with the pressure he had, and again he was with another strong era with Sampras. But yeah, with Murray, I I think he's got at least another slam up his sleeve. Yeah, well I hope so. Certainly, I mean you you always want to see the our, our guys do the best. Um, talking about um, Murray, um, we was going to touch on the Davis Cup, um, which we're in the final, which is nice. Yeah, which is brilliant. And again, massive credit to Murray, who's obviously just has been such a big hand in it all and it's again I now have a fascinating question what's going to happen with Murray playing on fast indoor surface at the O2 and then on the slow clay at Belgium yeah he's, he's discussed whether he, you know, he may not play the O2 which I wouldn't blame him, and I and I think that's massive credit to him. That the fact that he'd rather concentrate on the Davis Cup, winning it for his country, rather than representing himself at the O2, which is such a big tournament. And it's you play the whole year to get into that top eight to play this, to win the big points, to win massive money. Not that money's a big issue for Murray, but obviously you're not going to turn down the silly money they get for, for playing at the O2. But for him, he's, he's co- all his concentration is on the Davis Cup. Definitely. I mean, and, and, and we're up against Belgium, which is a, another unusual team to play against. No disrespect to them, of course, but they've never won it. Um, and I looked at our figures. We haven't won it since 1936. So we're certainly due a win. Is it a first final in 37 years? I believe so, Yes. That's like, yeah, I did, I did. Yeah, so which is which is crazy, yeah. really, when you think of how good Murray's been in recent years. But obviously, like you said, he's very determined to win this one, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you could say it's a bit of a one-man team. But on the other hand, James Ward's put in some massive performances this year in the US Open against the US. He had the big win. That that made the difference, really. So that. I mean, if he'd lost that match, I think John Isner would have would have gone out. 
And yeah. then seen some big doubles results. Obviously, Murray's won all his matches. Um, okay, so another one of the big questions is, will Murray play the doubles? He played the doubles in the semi-final. So it's interesting. I mean, Jamie Murray, I mean, he's, his doubles is on fire. He's got to the last... Yeah, I saw that. Two um, but then there's... Would you play him with... With Andy, who's not a double specialist, but he's probably as good as anyone at doubles, or Dominic Inglot, who's a double specialist, top, I think, 30 in the country, sorry, 30 in the world at doubles, big serve, and give Murray a day off, which could be important if he's had a good run at the O2. Again, it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. But um, I, I really think we'll, we'll win that tie. Do you, think, do you think it's going to be a, a GB win then? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit frustrated that it's on clay, just for the fact that it'd be nice for Murray to go to the O2, concentrate 100% on there, and then go switch his attention to the to the to the Davis Cup. But with it being on two completely different surfaces, the complete opposite ends of the spectrum, it's tough, really. So, I mean, when it comes to the, the, the semi-final against Argentina, when it was 2-all in their, in their tie, it would be nice if Argentina had won that because we'd have got the home draw, which meant we'd have obviously played on a similar surface to the O2, so it would have been perfect. But I guess playing on clay makes it more of a challenge, be more satisfying if we win. And Belgium are, I mean, they've got David Goffin, who is what, top 20 in the world now, so he's a tough player. Yeah. And then Steve Bosses, who's just in the top 100. And he, in fact, he just injured his ankle well, this week, this week or last week, see. Right. He might have missed your mark as well. And they haven't got anyone else in the top 100, so that's a big thing for them. If, if Steve Bosses, whether he plays or not, and then how Murray's feeling, how his back's feeling. Because one of the things he questions a lot is it's tough on his back when he goes from one surface to another. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> he's quite a yeah. um, he's a he's an intelligent fella, isn't he, um, Murray? So I'm sure he'd make a um, an educated call. He is. He oh, is. No. So yeah. yeah but, I mean, similar thing happened last year at the at the O2. Federer got to the final. And then pulled out, which was a shame because again, we were all looking forward to Djokovic Federal final. And then obviously Murray came in and played the exhibition match. But then Federal played five days later in the Davis Cup final. Yeah, I mean, my friends were there actually. They were there for that game. So they were obviously disappointed not to see uh, the final which they um, which was planned. But yeah, it's, it's a funny one with Murray because obviously he, he will want to play both, won't he? He's that type of guy that he will want to do both, but... He will, he would, but then I think, especially where it's not just about winning and losing, but it's about his back and his health, I think he ideally would like to miss the OT. Obviously, he said that straight after the Davis Cup semi-final win, and, and the ATP kind of reacted straight away by saying that you've got to play it. Yeah, I can imagine so, there's quite a lot of pressure, so... For him to play particularly over here, because it has that certain draw factor, doesn't it? Because you could, you, you, 
you, you never really want to go in a tournament and not put you all into it and think about the following week that he there's a possibility he may have done that almost out of spite the fact you're saying you're making me play I don't want to be here yeah <laughs> Murray's so, so competitive he couldn't do that if, if he if he goes there he'll, he'll be trying his damnedest to, to win every match there yeah definitely well you know we hope it's a GB win naturally for at the Davis Cup because it's some great um it's a great tournament. I mean, I've seen some highlights of it from last year, and obviously Federer and uh, Stan won last year and beating France, I believe. So it's good to see a, a bit of a mix up this year. Seeing um, Belgium in there with with GB. So yeah, um, yeah. James Ward it should be interesting to see him in action as well because he's another one where uh, he seems to be getting um making a bit of a name for himself, doesn't he? Yeah, especially Davis Cup. Although with it being on clay, I'm not sure he'll play. The, I've got a feeling they might go for Carl Edmund, right. who is young on his way up. He's just outside the top 100. I think he's a, he's a stronger, more confident clay court player. So again, on paper, him versus Darcy, there's only about 20 places in the ranking, so that could be an interesting one. Whereas most of our ties the last couple of years, you thought Murray's You'd, you'd want Murray to win both singles. You'd, you'd think James Ward or possibly Dan Evans, if he played, they're underdogs. If they win one of their singles, that's a bonus. And then it, a lot of them have come down to the doubles, really. We love that we've got. Look, we've, over the last few years, had lots of double specialists. And Murray, who, although doesn't he doesn't play a lot of doubles, is a fantastic doubles player. So... Yes, I mean, again, I really, I, I really think we're gonna, we're gonna do it, even though it's away on clay. Yeah. Well, it'll be um, an interesting game. When, when is the final? Actually, I didn't, I didn't see where that, when, when. Um... It's the the final. The the O two is, I believe, mid November, November eighth ish, and that's oh, okay. on a Sunday. And the Davis Cup is on the Friday. So, again, if Murray played it and he got to the final, he said he'd need to rest Monday and Tuesday, and he's got two days, Wednesday, Thursday, to practice on the clay, and then obviously Friday it's, it's match day. So that's it's such a... That's a big ask. <laughs> small win. It's a big ask, yeah. Especially, it's not just the transition. It is, like we said, he's with back. He's, he says it's really tough on his back. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of weeks for that. Um, for, for that final, as well as the ATP. I mean, it is good to have the ATP here at the O2. Um, of course, it's, like you said, Murray being, maybe being forced to play because he is obviously the, uh, the maybe the main selling point of having a tennis tournament over here. Um, however, it's good for us to be able to see those those guys it is, yeah, it's really good. And, and they do it well, the O2 as well. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great day. If It's, it's so well organised. And, and you, you, you're watching the best players in the world, the best eight singles players in the world over the last 12 months, the best eight doubles pairs in the world over the last 12 months. That's pretty, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, 
and touched on the, the doubles. It's such a shame that isn't. It's almost dying. The doubles. The doubles is so good to watch, especially obviously when you when you got your elite eight and eight players in the world. The, the, the standard of the tennis is phenomenal. It's so entertaining and so fast and impressive. Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty good ingredients, isn't it? Let's just say that for a tournament, having the eight best guys, eight best um, double players, uh, and they sit then like you say, the O2, they do do a sporting event pretty well, don't they? They do they obviously do the basketball as well throughout the year. They do all sorts, so um, it's great to see a bit of tennis there. So I'm sure um, if you've got tickets for that, you're very lucky. I mean, I didn't, I did try and get tickets actually, but I was unlucky, unfortunately. Um, no, I mean, the Davis Cup. Tickets have been really popular. I mean, in fact, I think all year the Davis Cup tickets have sold out. The atmosphere, the match has been brilliant. I guess we've easily sold our allocation of, of seats as, as the away team for the final. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see the Brits over there trying to equal the noise. Yeah. The Belgians will be making the crowd, yeah. Well, they do add a certain flavour, don't they, the, the, the Brits fans? To, to any sporting occasion, really, don't they? So it'd be good to see them um, to see them in action as well as obviously um, our very own our very own um, yeah. double players. And a victory. And a victory. That's what we call it here. Then a GB victory, a first win since 1936. It would be fantastic. But obviously Belgium, they've got their own motivation because they've never won it. So yeah. But they've got their own problems with uh, potential injuries, which injuries seem to ruin it all the time for everyone. Um, you know, it's the a long, season. It's a long season, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough on them. There's a lot of pressure as well. You know, you, you, other team sports, you've got your other guys sort of maybe making up for you. But tennis, you're on your own. It's your own body, and sometimes it doesn't work. Look, at, I mean, it's such a shame about touching on the Dow again quickly. It's such a shame about how it's happened because he really is. Um, really was just phenomenal back back when he was winning all those Grand Slams. But uh, there you go, part and parcel of the game, I suppose. Um, what do you sort of recommend for... I mean, you're actually injured yourself, aren't you, Leon, at the moment? Yeah, I've struggled with golfer's elbow of all things. Golfer's elbow? Ah. So played any golf. Really? So it wasn't even tennis-related? Well, it's it's serve-related... But yeah, it's the pronation, the serve, which 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 aggravates the golfer's elbow. Yeah, so yeah. Oh dear. And um, what you so what your techniques are sort of? Are you just resting at the moment? Are you just trying to sort? Of... Yeah, I had a new treatment um, in September. This new shock treatment, which tries to aggravate the injury into starting its its natural healing process, which which it wasn't doing. And now I'm having a complete rest and just trying to trying to get it get the blood flowing in it and get it get it fit again get it strong and, and hopefully get back on that tennis court it must be um i suppose can you sort of relate to players now who are injured being injured yourself because it must be pretty frustrating not being able to do the thing you want to do the um you know play the game you love it must be it's a frustrating thing as an athlete really so frustrating and, and the, the ones I feel sorry for the most are probably the Olympians. I mean, when the Olympics comes around once every four years, and if you're yeah. injured for, for that two weeks, it, it takes a, a special character to 
to overcome that. But again, I guess the the true champions they, they overcome adversity and and they come back from the injuries and the heartbreak and, and they come back stronger. And so I guess it's a, it's a test of character and a, te a test of the athlete. But like I say, it, it doesn't get much much more frustrating, really. Yeah, I mean the Yes, definitely the Olympics, four years and, and you miss it, and uh, that is not, not good. Um, to finish up on, um, I've just released the latest More Than A Game magazine issue, um, and I've also brought back the, um, the tennis book recommendation. So I thought um, I'd ask you your recommendation. Um, I've actually reviewed um, Andre Agassi's book Open before, which for me is my favourite sports book of all time. Uh, I know it got a lot of critic, a lot of praise. It got everything, didn't it? It really was that good. And some of the stuff that came out of that book was was just um, remarkable. And it really did sort of put you in the shoes of, of Agassi to a certain degree, didn't it? With his frustration with the game at a young age and even at, a, at an older age, um, how tennis for him was, wasn't everything, if you like. Um, what's your sort of favourite, it doesn't have to be tennis book, but sports book? Well, I love the Agassi book open. It's, it's, it's the most enjoyable book I've, I've ever read. It, it was brilliant. And I mean, I'm pretty sure if you, if you weren't a tennis fan, you'd, you'd still enjoy the book. It was that good. So, yeah, I, lo I love that book. Um, the, the three massive books I think everyone should read is The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters. Oh, yes, I've seen that. Yeah, really good. Uh, Mindset by Dr. Cal Dweck. Um, all about the, the growth and the, the fixed mindset, which I think is massive. I think if you can install a growth mindset in, into children before they even picked up a tennis racket, that's going to make all the difference. With yeah. a growth mindset, anything's possible. With a fixed mindset, you're in trouble. You, your potential really really stuck in the mud there um and and when it comes to growth from the fixed mindset it's, just, it's amazing what difference just switching a few words here and there what difference that can make really yeah so that's a big book i mean any work by delta cal directs really good uh the talent code uh fantastic thoroughly oh, yeah. recommend I think I've read a review on that myself, actually. Um, by Daniel Coyle? Yeah. Really, I mean, that's... I think every coach should read that. I mean, that's a, it's a brilliant book. Yeah, well, there you go. Three books that must be read. I've actually, I think I've got the um, the paradox, the chimp paradox in my Amazon basket. I've been meaning to add to that. Uh, I try brilliant. and buy a few books at the same time. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a game changer, that book. Really is a game... I mean... It's great for an athlete to read that. It can really help an athlete. It's one of them books where I don't really want to call it a self-help book because self-help books, I'm not sure how good most of them are, but yeah. it's, it's brilliant. I mean, obviously, the Chris Hoys and the Victoria Pendletons speak so highly of Steve Peters who wrote that and his work. It's such a good book. There you go. So I think one book I've just finished reading, which was a gift from a young lad I teach. Um, 
called Headspace by Andy Pudicom. Pudicom. Right. Um, really good. Not necessarily a book I would have picked up, but it's it's a book I think everyone should read. It's, everyone should read that. It's brilliant. Um, about meditating and mindfulness. That's really good. I've, I've heard of this. It seems to be all the rage at the moment. Um, this, this, I think there's a quite a successful app for Headspace as well. I've, I've heard is, a few yeah, A lot of people have mentioned the book to went, oh, there's a book. I've, I've got the app. Yeah, if you've heard of the app or you've tried the app, read the book. It's yeah. brilliant. Because probably everything you're trying to do with the app is just there in the book in black and white. And it, and it gets rid of some of the myths that we all have about meditate, meditating. And it's just really, and it's just a nice. I love books that are simple and easy to follow, easy to understand, and yeah, just yeah, I really thoroughly recommend that book. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Um, it's always good to hear people's um, opinions on on different books and stuff. Like I said, mine was Andre Agassi. I've read quite a few um, a few sport autobiographies and, and biographies, and that for me was. Um, the, the best one I've been meaning to by um, Boris Becker's as well. Yeah, and also I've heard um, Djokovic book is right. brilliant. So that's on my list of books to get and I to mean, read. I feel brilliant. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he's really like, Djokovic. I know he's recently he seems to be um, having a bit of fun on the court and stuff like that, but he seems very intense. So I wonder what he's. I can imagine his autobiography being quite. Uh, because he's from Serbia, he's just from Serbia, isn't he? So I can imagine it being quite a yeah, sort of... like Murray, and I, I, I've said it before, I really like Murray and Djokovic. They're both intense on the court. And they were both... Well, uh, Djokovic, what Djokovic does well is when there's a camera in front of him, he's got that natural charisma. He relaxes, he smiles, he jokes. He's he's up there with Federer and Adele, I think, when it comes to being interviewed. Murray freezes a little. He's got better, but whenever you see Murray away from the camera, he's he's laughing, he's joking, he's smiling. There's, there's a few years ago, he's interviewed a couple of times with his with his buddies Colin Fleming and I think one of his other playing friends, and it was just a different person. They're just winding each other up, joking, with banter. And that's the real Andy Murray, really. He just tends to freeze a little bit when there's a camera in front of him. But he's got, I mean, he's getting more relaxed and he's, and he's starting to get a little bit more himself in front of the camera. So I always stick up for Murray. He's getting there. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we all love Murray, really. I mean, it's a bit of a, he gets a bit of stick. But all sports people in this country get stick, don't they? It doesn't matter how good you are. Look at Wayne Rooney at the moment in football. It doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> What didn't help with Murray is when he made that joke when he was being interviewed of Tim Henman and they were, they'd been joking all day about England and Scotland and he got asked who was he going to support that, that evening and he joked, oh, whoever's playing against England, I support. Yeah, and there you go. <laughs> context. And I still, people, I still know people now that haven't forgiven him for that, even though it was a joke that was taken out of context. And I think that really affected Murray's confidence. And yeah. since that moment, really, that he wasn't himself in front of the camera. He just kind of thrown, you know, you see him rubbing his face and he looks nervous. 
Well, it's the thing, since the crowd has started warming to him, since, that, since he gave that speech after he lost to Federer in the Wimbledon final, and people saw that he's human and he's got emotions, his confidence is, is going up again, so... Yeah, I mean, and there was that, that um, quite interesting documentary about him as well, wasn't there? I think it was, I think it was before the Wimbledon yeah, again, final, wasn't and it? And you saw there what it's really like awaking the camera, that he's yeah. good fun. Mr. James Corden, who's who said Andy Murray's the funniest person he's ever been around. <laughs> really? He just doesn't have that quite natural charisma that Federer and Nadal and Djokovic have in, in front of the camera, really. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, I think that's all we've got time for, really, today. Um, Leon, thank you so much for joining us. Um, hope the Sorry? elbow gets better. Um, when are you expecting to be back, do you think, to... Playing, um, tennis. Um, I'm completely rested till Christmas, I think. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, the leading up to Christmas, I'll start doing strength exercises and just try and build up the strength, and then yeah, we'll see how we are at Christmas. Yeah. Oh well, all the best with that. Um, also, your um, your article is up on our um, latest issue as well. Um, great read. Um, obviously, I do read it because obviously I put it in. So yeah, it's a great um, it's great to hear sort of these great quotes you have about um, staying loose on the court and how the greats do it and um, you know it's, it's, it's if, if you really want to perfect your game it you, you really got to look at these guys haven't you got to really you've got to look at the best and see what they do and and especially the loosest thing for me the reason I write the article is because I personally think it's the most important aspect of the game and something that just isn't Discussed enough, really, because all the other things that we coach, the techniques, the movement, every little aspect of the game isn't possible if you're tight. You need to be loose and relaxed oh, to put sure. your techniques to, to, oh, yeah, to be sitting on the practice court. It's quite, quite the art, I can imagine, staying, um, staying that loose on the court. <laughs> And it's easier said than done. I mean, we all love to stay loose, especially, I mean, that's, that's, that's how you define the big players, the Djokovic's of the world. When Djokovic's match point down in the Grand Slam final, he literally gets even looser, gets even more aggressive, and he just goes for it. With someone, when, whereas a very, very good player, he's going to tighten up just that fraction on that big point, and he's going to make a mistake as a result. Whereas Djokovic, yeah. he, 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 I mean, he's, he's come back from match points down at least a couple of times in slams, twice in the US Open semi-final against Federer, saved match points and came back and won. So, again, there you go. They're the abnormal ones. Us, us players at Titan out, we're the, we're the normal ones. <laughs> they're the abnormal ones. They're the, yeah, they're the, to stay loose in that situation is it's just phenomenal really yeah definitely right well I'll leave you to your um, your lovely um, your lovely breakaway if you like from uh, from Britain over in Thailand um, and yeah no doubt we'll speak to you soon great thank you very much cheers Leon cheers Charlie thanks a lot thanks mate bye bye, bye. Oh, <laughs>